Ben always asks me at the end of the message, what do you call it? And so the title of today's message is Eyes to See, Ears to Hear, and a Heart to Understand. That'll make more sense as we get into the message uh, this morning. Um, so as I, we begin this morning, uh, I want to just con- declare God remembers his covenant. Amen? Amen? Come on, talk to me. Amen. God remembers his covenant and his chosen people. You know, the days that we're in, there is so much happening across the world, across the nation, across our state, across our communities, in our homes, uh, in our churches, in the places of our families. There is so much happening that God is speaking right now all over the place. And we want to be careful not to assess things by our natural mind. We want to be careful that we don't judge things according to how man would judge them. We had the message last Sunday about the sons walking by the Spirit, about the sons being led by the Spirit, about the sons knowing what's going on uh, in heaven and on earth. The Word says Jesus never uh, did anything but what He first saw the Father do. Amen? And He expects us to live and walk and breathe and have our existence in and by the Spirit, but we're also of this earth. Amen? And so we connect heaven to earth as sons in that way. We can't go by our natural reasoning. We can't go by our own intellect. Although those things are God-given, we want to be careful that we don't stay in the flesh, that we don't stay in terms of our humanity to judge the things that are going on in these days. We must live and walk by the understanding of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's important that I go that I'll send the Holy Spirit and He will remind you of the things I've said and He will reveal to you the things that are coming. He will be your teacher. He will be uh, your uh, ever-present help. Amen? And so when Jesus said these things, we know that when Jesus went and was raised on that third day and presented Himself in heaven before all of the hosts of heaven, we know shortly after that, the time of Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit came in like a flood. So His words are true. I spend a lot of time thinking about uh, what are the end days going to be like? What's my role in it? What's my part in it? What, What am I supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to be understanding? So if I'm supposed to be walking as a son and I'm being invited in to participate with God, to rule and reign with Him. We are in Christ, but Christ is at the right hand of God. Therefore, you're at the right hand of God in participating with the things that are going on in heaven. Amen? And I often ask myself, what, what reveal to the, the season that we're in? God, what do we need to know as a church? What do we need to know as a community? What are you doing? What are, you, what, what are the things that we need to understand? And Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, verse 26, when the Son of Man returns, the world will be like the people were in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came to destroy them all. So we know that Jesus is saying, on my return, on my return, 
when I come to close the end of the age, when I return, it'll be just like it was in the days of Noah. In other words, commerce was still going on. Governments were still uh, ruling in the nation. People were still being married and given in marriage. There was still activity upon the earth that seemed like every other day, that seemed like just the course of natural events. They didn't understand, though, in that day. And that's why it's so critical that we begin to, that we continue to look by the Spirit and the witness of the Spirit to say, God, what is my part in the day of today? I want to be one that hits the mark. I want to be one who understands what I'm supposed to be doing. I want to be one to live and walk by the Spirit, to discern the voice of God in the earth to understand what he's speaking in creation. So if we go back to Genesis chapter 6, starting in verse 5, it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent and thoughts of his heart was only to do evil. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. There's so many different ways to look at the things that are going on in the earth today. You can look at it from a standpoint of God with a big stick, and he's just going to wipe everything out and start over. We could say that the things that are happening in the world today are God's judgment on the earth. Or we could take a different approach and we could say God was so heartbroken. God was so moved. God was so broken in, a, in who he is in his heart that mankind on the earth walked away from God and ignored him and only cared about their own events of every day ignored him to the point of even denying that he exists and walking away from him and how that must have pained him knowing that he created man for fellowship created man to co-rule and co-reign and have a relationship as it was in the garden where adam talked with god on a daily basis and they shared their thoughts with one another. And they shared their, their feelings and their dreams and what they thought was uh, happening in the world. And even taking dominion at the time, naming all of the animals and, and caring for the creation. And how it must have pained God to look upon the earth. And yet mankind wasn't seeking him anymore. We were walking away from him. During the flood, God restructured and reorganized and set up a new earth and brought a new and better covenant, an exodus of the old and a promise of the new, a promise of a new worldwide order. God came by announcing judgment, but also a promise of a new and better covenant. 
Genesis chapter 9, starting with verse 12. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud and I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud and I will look on it and I will remember my everlasting covenant between God and every creature of all flesh that is in the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh of the earth. God restructured the earth during the flood. He reorganized it. He got his people back on track. And then it's kind of like he took his bow. A bow is a sign of war. A bow is a sign of authority. A bow is spoken about all through the Bible, even in Revelations, as places of authority, of war, of judgment. And so God was judging the earth at that time. He was warring over the earth, restructuring the earth, declaring an end to the old and a, and a new covenant to the beginning and a promise to the beginning. God restructured and he reorganized and then he hung his bow up in the sky for everyone to see that judgment in that day was over. And he gave his promise. Did you know that rainbow is actually, uh, the, 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 when you go back to the Hebrew, the meaning of rainbow as it was in that day that he's speaking of is called warbow. Did you know that as I did the research on this, God wasn't saying it was a rainbow. God was saying it was a warbow. A warbow. Isn't that amazing? The rainbow, a warbow, a bow in the cloud, as if God was hanging up his warbow to signify his work and his promise to all the descendants. Not only God, but all the people of the earth. And we see rainbows today. And we tend to think just of the promise that God would never again flood the earth. But it's so much more than that. It's so much more. When we see a rainbow in the earth, we have to think about the entire story, not just the covenant of the promise. We have to think about what God did in the days and weeks and months before the end of the flood. And he brought through his chosen people to repopulate the earth. He said, the, the thoughts and the intents of the heart of man is only and continually evil. Like the children of Israel coming out of Egypt in the pillar of fire and the cloud, to the children of Israel, it represented light and warmth and safety 
protection. God's presence and a clear statement of who God was and who God is choosing in the earth to be His people. But the other side of that pillar of fire and that cloud represented separation, judgment, visible statement of God's warning. Don't touch my people. In order to get to my people, you're going to have to come through me. You see, there's always multiple sides of things that God wants to be understood. So we can look at the flood and we can look at the rainbow from the places of the promises of God, the covenants of God, but we can also look at it as God's warbow. We can also look at the types and shadows like the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, right? Where they were pressed on every side. They were penned in, unable to go forward. You can't walk. Nobody, who, who at that time had walked through a sea? Who at that time had parted a, an ocean and a sea? But they were penned in. And the armies uh, that were against them were on just the other side of that pillar of fire in that cloud. And they could hear the horses and the chariots and the whinnying of the horses and the stomping of the, of the, of the armies coming after them. And I can only imagine that they would, were thinking that they were about to be destroyed. <coughs> but you see, the pillar of fire on one side was comfort and protection and light and warmth. But on the other side, it was darkness thick darkness. And it was a representation of don't you touch my people. There was a jealous God that was arising in that day and he was fighting for his people. God is still speaking through his creation, inviting us to come near his love. We can see that today in North Korea. All over the news, it's hard to turn on the TV or read something on the Internet without seeing something of the, of the armies of the world assembling. The armies trying to figure out how to handle this situation, how to prevent nuclear war, how to take the reins off an individual that is boastful and prideful and arrogant. We see... And uh, the MSNBC just reported that there was the biggest solar flare in a decade, just last week. The biggest solar flare coming off the surface of the sun. We see that on September 8, 2017, Mexico experienced an 8.1 magnitude earthquake, which they reported it was the strongest and most widespread in over 100 years. Sparks, it sparks tsunami warnings to 50 million people. Amazing. On September 7th, maybe even through the 13th, we have Irma. Unprecedented. The entire nation is watching it, wondering what's going to be happening. They're saying that there won't be anything left of the Keys in South Florida. They're saying that the storm is wider than the state of Florida and then some. 
that the, the, the storm surge for the first time in history will be both, both on the west coast and on the east coast at the same time. Amazing. You're among those who has been given to know the day that we are in. Jesus said, not everybody can know and discern. I started off this morning by saying, you can't just look at the natural and say, well, God's going to destroy Florida and all the people and wipe them out. That's human reasoning. That's human understanding. There's a deeper meaning here that we have to look into the Spirit to understand. We have to look at the heart of God. We have to look at His promises. We have to look at the prophecies that He's given. In Matthew chapter 16, the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Him and tested Him, being Jesus, and asked Him, what would be a sign from heaven that you are the Christ, that you're coming? They were, answer, they were asking the same questions that people are asking today. When is Jesus going to come? When is He going to come? We've heard for generations that we're in the end days. And the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, give us a sign that you are who you say you are. Give us some sort of miracle that we even might even consider you are who you are. And then Jesus said, when it is evening, you say, it is fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, he said, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given him except the sign of the prophet of Jonah. They knew the story of Jonah, how he was thrown into the sea, how he was swallowed by a great fish, a great whale, how he lived for three days in the belly of a fish down in the depths of the earth. But they didn't know that that prophesied of Jesus' day. They didn't understand that it was telling and revealing a story beforehand when Jesus himself would go into the depths of the earth for three days. And after three days, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that lives in each one of you, rose Jesus from the dead, presented him alive in heaven. Jesus is saying, you look by natural understanding about what is going on in the earth, and you can interpret the weather, you can say when it's cloudy in the morning and, you know, there's red in the sky, you know, red at night, sailors delight, red in the morning, sailors take warning. I mean, mankind has built things even over the simple things that God has given us. And he said, but you don't know the day that you're in. Jesus is revealing by his spirit the day that we're in through you through your ability to get into spiritual places, to be willing to fast and pray, to be willing to be part of something that God is doing in the earth. The disciples didn't understand either. 
in Luke chapter 8, verse 9. Then his disciples came to him saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see, and in hearing they may not understand. The world is still struggling to understand and trying to figure out how to navigate the new normal that was prophesied into the earth almost one year ago at Tabernacles. He said, there's a new normal that I'm, that I'm, that I'm creating in the earth. Things that used to work aren't going to work anymore. We see businesses and nations and governments and, and corporate America still struggling with how do, we, how do we participate in a world that is changing and isn't like it used to be? Comebacks and turnaround. Remember the Super Bowl. The word that Kathy gave just a few hours before the nation was going to be talking about something that was amazing. The story of Esther came and the enemy's plan to turn back upon their own heads. The enemy wants to destroy you. The enemy wants to take you out. But your destiny is not to die in the wilderness. Your destiny is not a destiny where you die in the trial. We have the valley of dry bones and the breath of God speaking and breathing in from the four winds, and raising up an army. These are prophetic visions that God is releasing in our day. God's people start winning. Kathy prophesied. There's a change in the atmosphere where the people of God are going to start winning, are going to start walking in victory. We had the message of the crowns. J.C. brought the message of the crowns. And then just recently, even last Sunday, the message of the sons are led by the Spirit. The sons know His voice. They won't be led by another. You know, dates are strategically set by God. Times and places, there's an entire book, an entire chapter that says everything under the sun, God has already ordained. There's a time and there's a place for everything. Man isn't going to accelerate it, nor can he slow it down. They're divine appointments by God. I want to remind you about the Ancient of Days, the vision that I had that was on uh, May 5th, 2016. I don't want to go through the whole vision, but the gist of the vision was I saw a man, an ancient man, an old man, who had a white glistening hair and a long beard. The man, to me, looked like he was in his hundreds. But he wasn't feeble and he wasn't weak. He was a very strong man. And he had a bow in his hand. And the bow was one of those old wooden bows like you see in the old movies. Braveheart and you know different things. And as he, the man picked up this bow, I knew that this bow required the strength of men that was beyond normal strength. And as this man picked up this bow, <clears throat> he took an arrow, and the arrow was an old, old arrow. And the arrow was strung in the bow. And I looked, and the tip of the arrow was something that looked like shining light. 
maybe really shiny stainless steel, if you've ever seen stainless steel, really polished. The light was hitting the arrow and it was glistening off it, and it was almost like there was light coming from the arrow itself. And as the man strung the arrow into the bow and started to pull the bow back, such strength was required to draw this bow back that you could hear the bow creaking and cracking. Though it wasn't going to break, it wasn't going to be destroyed. It was just signifying that it took the kind of strength to pull this bow back that no human being could pull back. And he pulled the bow up, much like you'd see in, in, an, in the natural, and brought it up and sighted the arrow down somewhere a long ways away. And as he let the arrow go, it started to accelerate in speed. It started to accelerate in its ability to cover ground. And I looked in the direction of the arrow, and I saw a huge dragon. And the dragon was uh, at its side to the old man. And as I watched, the, the arrow took on the speed of light. And it hit the dragon in the right front shoulder. And the dragon whirled around in pain. And it, everything he could do to be airborne. And he flew off. And I knew that the, that the wound of the dragon wasn't to be fatal. But it was going to buy the saints of God time. And so I picked the story up as Daniel saw the same thing. Daniel chapter 7, verse 21. I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the Ancient of Days came. That was this man. God. And a judgment was made in favor of the saints, the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. All right, bear with me. Turn. So I want to... God has a numbering system. And God's numbering system, there's lots of ways to interpret it. To you, he might interpret it differently than to me. But over the last several months, God's been speaking to me about numbers. The thing is, in the Hebrew, every letter of the, of the alphabet has a number assigned to it. And in those days, if you, were, if you were reading Hebrew, you could add up the numbers of the words and the messages, and it would tell a mathematical story. And I'm not saying that this is the Hebrew, but the Ancient of Days and the Dream with a Bow happened on 5516. And if you add up 5, 5, 1, and 6, that's 17. And the meaning of 17 is overcoming the enemy. The meaning of 17 is complete victory. And if you add up 7 and 1, you get 8. New beginnings. Hallelujah. You know, a, a little while after this, there was a double rainbow and so for the people listening to the tape, there's, a, there's pictures on the back wall of, to help tell this story of how it happened. And on June 19th, 2017, it was, uh, very, it was late in the evening, uh, you know, 8 o'clock maybe. And I looked out. I was praying on my bed and I was really crying out, God, I need to know. 
some answers to some things that I'm trying to work out. God, I need to know. You need, I'm asking you to answer me. I'm asking that the sons of God walking by the Spirit would be able to discern the time and fulfill their destiny. And so if you look there, you can see a double rainbow. It was much brighter in the natural. I want to remind you about Noah's rainbow that he saw, the covenant of the earth, but also the entire story of how it played out in his day that God poured out a new covenant, a double rainbow as a double witness. And so if we just keep going, June 19, 2017, so if we add up 6 and 1 and 9 and 1 and 7, you get 24. 24 is associated with a priesthood. 24. 2 times 12 is God's government and perfection and authority. God is announcing that He is in perfect order here. That He is unfolding something in the earth that's going to involve the saints of God. The priests of God. You're called to be priests. You're called to minister. You're called to be His voice upon the earth. So on June 26, 2017, there was a second rainbow. Completely different day. Atmosphere was different. It was still in the evening. And you can still see the double rainbow. More on the left side in this picture. But again, in the regular, if you look at the computer model, you can see it better. The, the, uh, the projector washes it out a little bit. But June 26, 2017, if you add 6 and 2 and 1 and 6 and 1 and 7, you get 22. Sonship, sons of light. Remember the message that came last weekend. The sons of God walk by the Spirit. The sons of God are led by the Spirit. The sons of God are in relationship to God. The sons of God hear His voice. The sons of God are able to discern the day that we're in and walk according to His perfect will. The sons of God are are standing on the light side of the pillar of fire and the cloud, but the enemies are on the other side. Sons of light, sons of God. And then the third double rainbow, September 7th, 2017, just last week. And you can see the double rainbow is more clear there. God, when God speaks, He speaks in twos and three. He really wants us to get it. And when God confirms over and over and over again, we have to pay attention. We have to pay attention to what He's doing. And so if we add up nine and seven and one and seven, we get 24 again. And God is saying again, I'm doing something in the earth to my chosen people. It's the priesthood. It's God's governmental perfection. We know that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We know we can't discern these things in the natural. We have to understand what the message is saying. The sons are the ones that have the authority of God. 
The priests have the Word of God and the direction of God and the favor of God and the heart of God. That's you. You're called to be kings and priests. You're called to understand and know the day that we're in and what your purpose is and what you're supposed to be doing. Governmental perfection. Ephesians tells us that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of the air that are in heavenly wicked places. There's a government of Satan's kingdom, but there's also a government of God's kingdom. And God is announcing, I believe that God is announcing in the earth that He is changing the governments and the the atmosphere and the influences over our nation and our, our state and over our community and our families. And He's changing up and He's reorganizing like He did on the days of Noah when floods came upon the earth and God reorganized the earth and the natural. We know that the Old Testament tells a lot about the natural in places of wars and victory and driving out the people that were in the land that didn't belong there. When Joshua went into Jericho and crossed over, there was a, there was a reforming of a covenant. There was a new covenant that was being released. And God always, always speaks of His love and His favor. So as we move on here, Second rainbow, sonship, sons of light. Third rainbow, God uses His creation to speak to His people. How would you get, if you were God, how would you get the people of the United States to stop looking at themselves, stop doing the daily work of the daily grime, going to work, making the money, going shopping, going home, Uh, taking care of the lawn, on and on and on. If you were God, how would you get an entire nation to stop looking at the natural things, to stop looking at at the natural lives that is so prevalent in the earth, looking at the rumors of wars and the earthquakes and the famines, God wanted to get a nation to look up. In Psalms 121, it says, I look up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. He will not allow you to stumble or fall. The one who watches over you will not sleep. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never tires and never sleeps. The Lord Himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you and your protective shade. Here's the pillar of fire again. The sun will not hurt you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord keeps you from all evil and preserves your life. The Lord who keeps you, the Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. Psalms 121. We had a solar eclipse. And in that solar eclipse, just a few days ago, there are approximately just over 300 million people in America. 
some of the numbers are close to 330. Anyway, it's over 300 people, 300 million people in the United States. Some news reports that I've read estimate 200 million people participated in watching the eclipse to one degree or another. Almost two-thirds of the people of the United States took time out of their day to look up. And there are so many reports of people that I've talked to that went to the zone of totality and said, I was so moved, I cried. And people around me cried. And we wondered, what could this mean? What is this? There's something greater that's happening more than just ourselves. It's almost like a visitation. Notice that the zone of totality begins in the northwest and it comes down to the southeast. That it travels through the heartland of America. That all the people in America who wanted to see this either had to travel north or south, but get to a zone. There is a, re, there is a story here that's unfolding just like the feast story where the people had to leave their lands. The people had to leave their homes. And they had to go someplace to experience something greater than themselves. We're coming up upon the Feast of Tabernacles. And the people were supposed to meet in the city. And the people were supposed to leave what they had. The zone of totality. That's what the news media called it. Are you going to get to the zone of totality? It's something like 60 miles wide. And if you were under that zone, then you would experience the fullness of the eclipse. Do you want to experience the fullness of what God is doing? Then God is leading us to be sons walking by the Spirit. He's leading you. He's orchestrating the days and the events. You're not to die in the wilderness. You're not to die in the trial. But it goes through the heartland of America, the very heart of America, the very center of America. God's love being poured out, saying, come, I want your whole heart. I want your total heart. I want your total attention. God tells the same story over and over again, just like he did in Noah's day that Jesus prophesied, just like he did with the rainbows, just like he did in Exodus. There is an Exodus happening in the Spirit right now. People are leaving and going all all over the world. Some are fleeing from wars. Some are fleeing North Korea. Some are fleeing from uh, places in the Middle East like Iraq. Some are coming to the United States. Some people in the United States are traveling great distances. There's a message here that God is speaking by the Spirit. Different places through different people at a different time. Joseph told of a seven-year period of time where there would be plenty in Egypt. In other words, the Babylonian of the world, Egypt, the 
uh, governments of the world, the, the pagan, the, the places that didn't know God, God even loved them and sent a man to experience all kinds of awful things like being jailed and falsely accused. But Joseph knew his God. And when he was tested, he didn't waver. He didn't give up just to make the situation lighter or easier. He resolved, my God, I know my God. And he was pulled out of the prison places and he was prophesying before the nations of the world in in front of the, the leading most people. And he said, this dream means that there will be seven years of plenty. But after the seven years of plenty, there will be seven years of famine. God is showing you this so that you would be saved through the famine. And there was none that could match Joseph's wisdom. And the king or the pharaoh said, he's going to be the second most powerful guy in all of the land that I oversee. Do what he says. Again, this is God saying, my kingdom is a kingdom of priests. A kingdom who know my voice. God wants to use you to save and to reveal himself. So as I move on here, seven years of plenty, the next eclipse is going to happen seven years from now. Seven years from now. There may be other symbols of the work of God, but the cross is one of the most powerful. Notice that the path of totality again cuts through the heartland of America and makes a cross where God announces again there is no other way to heaven than through the cross of Jesus Christ. Also, notice that the path begins in Mexico, South America, where the 8.1 earthquake was the strongest in over a 100 years. Notice the path of totality as it comes from Mexico and goes up into northern New England. Again, people from the world are expected to come to the United States to experience this. Notice that the cross is in the heartland of America. Notice that this day, 4-8, Two, four, eight. I don't know. Did I build a slide for that? No, I didn't. <clears throat> if you add up the numbers, you get 18. I don't know what the number 18 is, but if you add up 1 and 8, that's judgment. Perfect movement of God. God's visitation. Finality. Fruits of the Spirit. We need to know and understand that God isn't a God who just wants to destroy His creation. He wants His creation to know that He's going to visit America. He's going to bring a finality. And there's going to be a first fruits of the Spirit, just like there was on the day of Pentecost when Jesus said, it's important that I go. And if I don't go, the Helper won't come. 
And we know the helper came. And we know that there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But Joel prophesies that in the last days, there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is unprecedented, unlike any other day. Joel prophesies that there's going to be something happening upon the earth. And the number nine, again, means God's perfect judgment, perfect movement of God, God's visitation, finality, and first fruits. There's another way. We get to Hurricane Irma. I, told, I pulled this off the Noah site. We've been watching this hurricane for days and even a, even a week or a couple of weeks or more. And for the first time in a long time, they didn't know where the track was going to track. At first, they thought it was going to go up the East Coast. Usually, when hurricanes come to the United States through the Gulf and through the Southern Caribbean oceans, they usually turn and most of them go up the East Coast and some go back out to sea or they hit the United States and the Carolinas or something like that. They didn't know where this one was going to go. Most of the storm tracks that I looked at, there were dozens and dozens of them. They all generally agreed it was going to hit Florida. What is the message that God is saying? Is God saying doom and gloom, the people of Florida are going to be destroyed? No! No, I don't believe that. Hurricane Irma is predicted to, to uh, cross exactly where the two solar eclipses were. So if we go back to those slides where the solar eclipse made a cross in the United States, it was the heartland of America. This particular one that I pulled off last night, or it's still the same this morning, 8 a.m. on Thursday is exactly where the cross was, the heartland of America. The heartland of America. Consider Irma, the largest storm, 150, 175 mile an hour winds. The news media is saying it's unprecedented. It's wider and bigger than any storm in, in recent times. Look at one of the projected paths right into the center of the cross of where the eclipse was. The heartland of America. God is testing the hearts of the sons right now. He's testing the hearts of sons the way he did with Joseph, the way he did with the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and the Exodus. He's testing the sons to see, if are you going to stand? Are we going to stand and, or are we going to waver? He's testing the heart. He's testing the motivations of the heart. He's testing the thoughts of man. Are we going to trust him? Are we going to enter in by prayer and fasting until we have his word? Until we have a release in the spirit being one with God? The days of the exodus where the people of the earth are leaving their homes in order to find someplace else. So what is our part in all of this? It's interesting to see what God is doing through rainbows. Three double rainbows. When he speaks that the end of the days will be like the days of Noah. 
and then hurricanes. We were talking this morning about four hurricanes in less than a couple of weeks. God doesn't want to destroy His creation, but He is passionate about wanting to have relationship with the people, His sons. These are the days where the sons remain faithful and enter in, walking by the Spirit, participating with heaven, revealing God's love and making a way where in the natural there seemed to be no way. Like the Israelites standing on the shore of the Red Sea, there's no way out. They're going to be destroyed. There's no way to keep going. And God comes. And the same thing when they crossed the Red Sea, when they crossed the Jordan. Waters were split. Miracles happened. This isn't to destroy you. This isn't to get you to kill you in the wilderness. This is to bring you to a place of new authority, of new understanding, of understanding what God is doing in restructuring the earth, in restructuring the governments, restructuring the principalities and the powers of the air, and causing you to be His authority on the earth and speak His word, declaring that every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God is there not, uh, not legally. They're trespassing on holy ground. They're trespassing on what God gave the sons of God. And to declare the word against them, the judgments against them, and to bring them down to the feet of Jesus Christ. These are the days where God wants to elevate His sons. Why? Because He wants to be made known in the earth. God wants Himself to be made known in His love, in His passion, in His glory, in his, the prophecies that have come. For the sake of time, I'm going to jump a little bit ahead. Joel's prophecy, chapter 2, 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Prayer and fasting starts today. 21 days in preparation for the days of awe. 10 days of awe that is right on our doorstep. And he, God is wondering, will you participate with me? Will you participate in what I've called you to be as my sons? He said in Second Chronicles 
7, when Solomon was asking the same questions you're asking today, the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said, I have heard your prayer. I have chosen this place. Now remember, there were natural places in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, it's by the Spirit. Don't you know that you are a temple of the living God? Don't you know that the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is living and active and alive in you? God is saying, I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, there are pestilences coming upon the land. I just showed you that. My people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes are open and my ears are attentive to the prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. You're the apple of his eye. His eyes are upon you. His ear is attentive to your cry. He is listening to the cry of your heart in the wilderness, experiencing the pain and the suffering. But this promise says, I have chosen to live in this place. He's living inside of you. He's not living in a temple made by hands. He's living in a temple not made with hands. And so I want to encourage you as we join our hearts together in this fast for the next 21 days, if you decide to pray and fast completely with no food, that's good. It has to be between you and God. It has to be something between you and Him. He is the one that set these things up. He's the one that's orchestrating the events of the earth. And so if you decide to fast TV or all sweets, or maybe you go like Daniel went on and just go on vegetable-only food, I don't know what it is. That's between you and God. The encouragement as I close here today is that you do something, that you participate somehow with the Lord over the course of the next 21 days, that when the days of awe come, that you are one who God says, I want you to see what I'm doing in the earth. I want you to know and understand. May your eyes be opened, your ears opened, and may you be given a heart to understand. Amen? Hallelujah. That's it. Praise the Lord. I know this was a lot. Um, There's a lot that I didn't share, but I really wanted to share to get you to see uh, the very hand of the Lord speaking. Yes.